Blog Talk Radio.
I feel good. That's James Brown living in America. I am Rodney Smith in the air chair today, welcoming all of you to a special Sunday edition of Our Own Voices Live. That's right, a special Sunday edition. Normally we come on on Saturdays at 12.30 p.m., but here we are Sunday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast, and that is 3.30 p.m. for our East Coast listeners. Thank you so much for those of you out there who are listening to us today because I just have so much to say, but I really hope you do as well because today, the title of our show today is one that has something to do really with who we are as a nation of people, as a country. It really is about do we believe in the foundation principles of this country? And do we believe that the people are the ones who wield the real power? So the title of our today, the title of our show today is simply President Trump and the First Amendment. Dear President Trump and the First Amendment. If you have questions or comments, just want to listen in, give us a call at area code three four seven. Eight two six nine six zero zero. Once again, that's three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero. And if you would like to comment, a question, observation, uh, give us give us a call three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred. And if you want to speak to us, press one on your keypad, and that way I'll know that you will want to chat with us. Uh, before we go on uh, further with the show, let me give you a little quick introduction to what Our Own Voices is and how we came to be, because actually derived from a magazine called Our Own Voices, and Our Own Voices, the print, as well as digital magazine, talked about well, it talked about things in our community and maybe someplace near you. And what we tried to do uh, with that is give you a little bit of culture, history and culture. So basically, Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. Some of the ways we do that is, as I mentioned, with shows like this, Our Own Voices Live. We also have Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine that talks about culture. And it talks about all cultures, but it is based off of African-American culture because African-Americans know so little about it, but there's so much misinformation and disinformation and no information by the masses. So we try to educate ourselves and also educate you. And in turn, we try to learn about other cultures and share other cultures with others that make up this great country of ours called America. After all, I did say America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity 
and not in spite of it. And we should never lose sight of that, that it is through America reaching its open arms to all peoples of the world to come to these shores to bring the goodness of wherever you were to join with the goodness of what was here. And it was through that technology, innovation, business, agriculture, and so on, that led to America being a dominant political and economic force in the world. But the principles of America came from its constitution. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today because what I want today's show to be about is about if you actually could sit down with our president. And I know some of you say he's not my president. And I understand the sentiment, but as long as we are Americans, we do have an elected president. Now, Mueller will let us know whether he was elected legally or not, but until then, he is our president. Now, because he's our president does not mean that he is somehow shielded from the scrutiny of the people. Actually, it's just the opposite. You see, the president works for us. And sometimes I think our president, and specifically this president, forgets that. And on occasion, it really takes we, the people, to remind all of our representatives, whether it's in the White House, the Courthouse, or the House of Representatives, that they are there to represent us and the values and uphold the values of this country. That's why we elect them. We don't elect them to rule over us, nor do we elect them to be tyrants. As a matter of fact, the premise of this show today is about the basic tenet of our Constitution that prevents tyranny. If you go to the first two amendments, the first and second, the first amendment guarantees us the freedom of expression. It also grants the freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. But for the talking purpose today, it granted us freedom of expression, freedom to speak without repercussion, without being adversely impacted by the awesome power of the state. In Europe, at the time of the founding of this country, there were a lot of monarchs, kings, queens, and other rulers with absolute power and ruled with an absolute fist. And a part of that was oppression of the people by suppression of their voice. In other words, if you could not say something good about the king or whomever the leader was, you could be punished, whether it was flogging, hard labor, and various forms of death. You see, that's what 
supposedly those Europeans who fled Europe to come to America, many of them were escaping in, in our founding documents, our Constitution and the Bill of Rights. You see a lot of these things that they were running away from that they wanted to ensure did not gain a foothold into them the new land, the new world. And so the very first amendment, the very first one, the very first one talks about freedom of speech and freedom of expression. That's pretty powerful. It could have been a lot of other things, but they chose the first thing to be the ability of the people regardless of what their status was in life, to be able their minds freely without oppression from the government to suppress your voice. Very powerful. And then it's so interesting that the First Amendment to our Constitution is the freedom of speech amendment is. Because you probably hear as much about the Second Amendment as any amendment, maybe more, and that is for the people to have the ability to bear arms. And oftentimes when there's any challenge to people speaking freely, it is always mentioned that the first amendment to our Constitution is to prevent tyranny and give us freedom of speech, and the freedom of religion, freedom to assemble. But that the second amendment is to support and back up the First Amendment. So in other words, we as American citizens are granted certain inalienable rights. In other words, these rights did not come from man. These rights came from our creator and whoever that creator is to you. It came from a higher being. And I want to read to you all who may be unfamiliar with what the First Amendment says. And I, especially if I was having this conversation with the president, I want to read to him what the First Amendment says. This is the Bill of Rights. This is the First Amendment. It says, Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, this is the very first amendment in our Bill of Rights. Bill of Rights. Things that were inherent to us 
just simply by living, not granted to us by anyone. See, the Constitution didn't grant us anything. It actually articulated what was believed to be in nature already. It just put it on paper. And then it developed laws to ensure it. And the very first, the very first thing, the very first amendment was Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. Let's stop right there. When it talks about the abridging of the freedom of speech, freedom of expression. There was something that's been happening in this country for years, decades, maybe even centuries. And that has been that certain people have not enjoyed the full freedoms of the First Amendment. And for today's show, let's be let's just be have a frank discussion, shall we? And the reality of it is, though there has always been some people, whether it's the Irish, the Italian, the Native American, there's always been some people in this country that have that have been oppressed. But it's an amazing thing about this country that the oppression has awfully been divided down the lines of color, often typified by the word race. And I say that because it's really not about race, because we all come from one race, the human race. But someone has decided to divide us by color and assign a race to that color, which we know is not scientifically or biologically correct. But it is how we commonly refer to one another. And the interesting thing was your color, even your color, did not always save you from oppression. Ask the Irish. To a certain extent, ask the Italians. Ask Jewish Americans or Jews at the time. Ask them. Because they were not always considered white. Did you know that? And that is really how oppression in this country has always been divided. On the whitest were the rightest. And from that, everyone else was somehow less than. And because of that, those inalienable rights that were enshrined in the Bill of Rights from our Constitution, that very First Amendment was not always offered to all people in America. Some of those people slowly gained their rights, or for the, this discussion, they gained their whiteness. Irish who were indentured servants and who were oppressed in this country, not enslaved, but they were indentured servants, and they did suffer oppression. As a matter of fact, many black people today have the surname that is associated with the Irish because oftentimes they lived in the same areas and oftentimes were treated similar. The difference being 
that the Irish were granted their whiteness, their rightness, their privilege. And I understand that to some of the Irish that reside in America, not the Irish from Ireland, but to the Irish that reside in America, there's a parsing of this. But even the Irish leadership in Ireland disagrees with the parsing and calls it like it is that Irish people in America were indentured servants, but they were not enslaved. And that there is a distinct difference between indentured servitude and slavery. But the Irish got their whiteness. The Italian, as often mentioned by one of the guests that comes to the gathering, and the gathering is, again, one of those things that our own voices does to help build community and bring people together. Because in the words of the late, great Sam Smith, often affectionately referred to as the Oracle of of Las Vegas and the mayor of the, the bistro, Sam Smith told us that, and he would say, Rodney, sometimes people are not able to work together because they are afraid of one another, and they are afraid of one another because they don't know that much about one another. And that rang home with me. That's one of the reasons why I created Our Own Voices magazine. But because people were segregated by race, by color, they were also intellectually segregated from the histories that oftentimes were very similar. And then they were told that people were different, sometimes less than, sometimes built up to be monstrous, demonic, and animals so that others would fear them. And because of that misinformation and disinformation over generations, that fear became ingrained in the psyche of many of our white brothers and sisters who may not have seen us as brothers and sisters. Oftentimes, they did not even see black people as fellow Americans, but we are. We are because of that document that is so often mentioned, the Constitution, which gives us the right of citizenship. It is, again, one of those amendments to first, because at the beginning of this country, they thought that the most important thing for everyone, which I don't necessarily disagree, was that all people should be under the covenant of the freedom of expression, the freedom of speech the freedom to assemble. When I look at the First Amendment, Mr. President, I look at all of the things that in the seven, roughly seven months of you being in office, not even to include your many years of life before entering into elected office, I just look at the very First Amendment, and I see so many transgressions coming out of your mouth and from your actions. What would you say if you had a chance to have a sit down with the President of the United States? Would Would you inform him? Would you inform him that his actions 
do not go along with the office of the presidency. And that those who are granted the honor of the citizens of the United States of America to be their president are expected to uphold the office in a very positive, uplifting, and unifying manner. That the person who sits in the most powerful chair, possibly in the history of the world, that we expect him or her one day to be a unifying figure because, after all, they are elected by the people of the United States of America, not the divided states of America nor the divided people. And anyone who tries to divide us are not upholding that office of the presidency of the United States of America. Mr. President, as a matter of fact, you have violated almost every tenet of the First Amendment, from prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech of the press. You have singled out the press, what has been called by most leaders of this country throughout its history as a valued addition to our form of government that helps keep the people informed of government, keep government informed of the people, and also it's our way of holding government accountable. People's voice. Now, there is not to say that sometimes our press has been divided on political lines. And that is something that needs to be addressed too. But it is still our press as you are still our president. And we have to hold our press accountable just as we have to hold you accountable, Mr. President. As a matter of fact, Mr. President, your taunting of the press, your threat to the press of violence, you who downplayed the significance and importance of the press when it was so important that the founding fathers, that most Americans, whether left or right, often look back with foresight in crafting such a wonderful document that is still valued today. And of that, it says plainly that you should not abridge the freedoms of speech or of the press. And you've done both, Mr. President. Maybe in the words, I believe, of Senator Corker, you don't understand the culture of this nation. Maybe you were not educated on the value of our Bill of Rights. Maybe somehow through that education that you received, these things were missed. It's possible. Maybe you were sick that day. Well, it really is on us now to 
whether it's to educate or to re-educate, form or to re-inform you of the culture of this country. Now, this country values have often come from the Constitution. And oftentimes we speak, though we may not directly quote the First Amendment, but we often use it when we talk about the freedom of press, when we talk about the freedom of speech, when we talk about the freedom to assemble. Do you know that in the freedom to assemble is protest? Are you aware of that, Mr. President? It is to assemble. It even says the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. You see, Mr. President, to protest is to be American. The country started out as a protest against taxation without representation. And when that protest did not work, that's when the value of what would become the Second Amendment came into play, and that was the right to bear arms. You see, we learned from gaining independence from our former oppressor that in order to sometimes get the freedoms that to you simply because you're living and breathing, that you may have to fight your oppressor to get those rights. So we learned, those founding fathers learned, and Mr. President, the First Amendment, which is an amendment that you have violated multiple times, is backed up by the Second Amendment. Now, I know that you are a Second Amendment guy. Your sons believe in the Second Amendment because they go and hunt creatures that, for sport that don't have guns to shoot back. So we know that you believe in the Second Amendment. We know that you support the NRI, NRA, which is supposed to be the bastion of Second Amendment rights in this country. The Second Amendment is designed to prevent tyranny. The Second Amendment is designed to prevent tyranny. Mr. President, in this show today, and just as a reminder, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live normally comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. on the East Coast. But we're doing a special show today on Sunday, and I am your host, Rodney Smith, in the air chair. The title of our show is Dear Mr. President and the First Amendment. The idea is if you were had the opportunity to exercise your First Amendment rights and sit down and speak with our president, what's some of the things you would like to say? And some of the things I wanted to express to the president was the values, the culture of this country that's enshrined in our Bill of Rights. And we often talk, and he often talks about the founding fathers or some that he thought maybe were the founding fathers. <laughs> but here's one, and his name is Benjamin Franklin. And this is what I use as the icon for our show today. Ben Franklin. 
somebody who, you know, he's controversial here and there, but normally he's considered to be a very wise person in multiple fields even. And one of the things that one of the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, said, he said, freedom of speech is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved. And tyranny is erected, ruined, quote, unquote, Benjamin Franklin. So, Mr. Franklin, one of the founding fathers of our nation, said that freedom of speech is a principal pillar of free government. In other words, our government is supported by this pillar, and this particular pillar is called freedom of speech, which is guaranteed in the First Amendment. And he said that like with any pillar, when this support is taken away, in other words, if you move a support of a structure, if you move the amendment, when this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved. In other words, there is no more value to the constitution. There is no more United States of America if free speech is taken away. And he says when that pillar, and the pillar is called free speech, when it is taken away, the constitution is dissolved, and that's what enshrines our freedom. And tyranny is erected on the ruins. So in other words, you have tore down, you have destroyed the country as founded on this constitution and these principles. On that once free country will be tyranny. Tyranny. Now we know that the First Amendment was designed to prevent tyranny because it gave people the right to speak. And that right to speak was to be unimpeded by the government. In other words, there was no threat to citizens speaking their minds. As a matter of fact, when you read the First Amendment, it specifies it specifies that the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people to peacefully to assemble is to petition the government for redress of grievances. So in other words, the very First Amendment tells us that the people of this country, Mr. President, when they feel and grieved by the country, by the government, that they have a natural right to assemble and petition the government. In other words, they spell out to the government what the government is doing to the people that the people dislike. And then for the government to redress those grievances. That's in the see we haven't read all of the amendments. We're still on the first amendment, Mr. President. 
And under the very First Amendment, these are the transgressions by you so far. I mentioned earlier about how we were divided on color that has been conflated into race and that how all people did not benefit by that because the white supremacy, which is what this country was founded on, let's call it what it is, whiteness, because white was right, and they used might to keep it. And in that, if you were Irish, you were Italian, you were Jewish, you were not considered white. You were considered something less than, therefore you did not have the privileges of the Anglo-Saxon now in America. But over time, if you will notice and know our history, and this is why our educational system is so crucial to the continued evolving of our country to what it's supposed to be as stated in its constitution, in the Bill of Rights, is that our children need to be taught so that they value them and exercise them freely, without any reservation or oppression. Because if the less white you were, the less rights you had. So the Irish, the Jew, the Italian, they were not white enough. Therefore, they were not treated at the same level of Anglo-Europeans. It was later on that the Irish became white. It wasn't until the 1900s that Italian became white. As a matter of fact, there's a person who comes to our gathering, and we have our gathering every Friday at the Westside Bistro, except on fifth Fridays. We have it at TC's Rib Crib. And there's a woman, her name is Patricia Martinelli Price. And she attends our gathering, and she often talks about her heritage. And she freely and proudly will inform all who may not know that her ancestry is part Native American, and it's also part Italian, as a matter of fact, Sicilian. And Sicilians were known to be dark Italians, and they were not even fully accepted by other Italians. I still remember the names they were called in New York that I won't repeat on the show today. And, she's, and the reason why she mentions this is she says because in the past, Italians were actually considered Negroes. I don't know if you all knew that. And she's accurate in her comments that, yes, Italians were considered Negroes. And there are older Italians to this day who still embrace that aspect of them, of themselves. But there are plenty who embrace the whiteness, freedom, and power that their new status as white Americans gave them. And I suppose, according to the Dial test in the 50s, and then later, I believe it was in the early 2000s, still said that many people would rather be white because they see the way that white people are treated. More importantly, they know how they are treated because they're not white. But you see, Mr. President, 
this First Amendment says that all people, citizens, have this unalienable right to protest against the government when they feel that the government has created a grievance. And it is protected under our Constitution. So when Colin Kaepernick, a football player, sports figure, athlete, decided to protest against the brutal treatment of African Americans, of black people, the least of all people in the United States of America, with the exception of the Native Americans. That's been written about in social science for years. That's not Rodney's opinion. That is the studied facts from social scientists in the United States that says the most oppressed people in America are the Native Americans followed by African Americans. And it even specifies that it is actually the African American man that is the most oppressed next to Native Americans. And it's also interesting to note, and this is why I mentioned that particular fact, is that it is the African American man who has been brutalized by the police that Colin Kaepernick was protesting. And his protest, though it was focused on police brutality and mistreatment of African-American men, it was against African-American. And actually, we tend to be the vanguards in America, all Americans. Because you see, when things change for the better for African-Americans and formerly Africans, things change for the better for other Americans. It does not always work in reverse. So in other words, when Jews were considered Caucasian, as much as they are, they didn't consider black people that. When the Irish became Caucasian, became white, that didn't get transferred to black people, nor Native Americans. Italians in the early 1900s were considered white. They did not consider black people white. In other words, they did not give them the same rights and the same privileges as guaranteed to them by our Constitution. And specifically what we're talking about today is the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights. But with the 13th Amendment, that gave citizenship to formerly enslaved Africans who were in America, born in America, suddenly got full citizenship. You see, when we make advances, America advances. And that is a very important delineation when we talk about the things that go on in this country. Because often down they talk about trickle down. In other words, if the masses, if white people, if they get it, then ultimately something will trickle down to those less than, which are often black and brown, and specifically black people. 
But notice just the fact that it's a trickle is problematic. But the reality is that it's simply not true because that didn't happen when Italians got their whiteness. It didn't happen when Jews got whiteness. It didn't happen when Italians got whiteness. But when black people gained, other Americans gained. That's why it's so important that when African Americans, when black people in America have a grievance and it's addressed, when it is addressed, it uplifts all of America because women's rights came about because of civil rights. Women got the right to vote partially because even though later on the right of black people were suppressed and white women still were freely able to vote. Because you see what happens to other people does not necessarily benefit black people, but what benefits black people almost always benefits other people and uplifts America as a whole. Mr. President, the First Amendment, the First Amendment that through your rhetoric, through your actions, you so often step on. It is almost as if you're trying to dismantle that pillar that the founding father, Benjamin Franklin, spoke of, and that pillar was freedom of speech. Maybe you're not aware that that's what your actions represent, and that's why I want to be able to share that with you so that you have a chance to change and represent all the people that you are the president of. Remember, this is the United States of America. This is not the divided states of America. And on that note, we have a caller. I'd like to bring the caller into the conversation. And uh, welcome to the show. You're on Our Own Voices Live. And what we're talking about today is Dear President Trump and the First Amendment. Uh, Did you have a question or comment for us? Well, Hotep, how are you doing? I saw that you were online, so I figured I'd take the opportunity to dialogue with you, my brother, and tell you when they wrote those documents that you're referring to, as you well know, I'm just making the point, though, those documents didn't include us. Those uh, theories and principles that existed for white men were the predominance of property or slave owners or combination of both, otherwise known as industry, capitalism, they weren't thinking about freeing no black people because even those in the North who affixed their name to it profited off of slavery in some way, shape, or form, as historians are telling us. Because even though the Southerners sold humans, uh, the Northerners built the ships. The Northerners profited from the fabrics that were made from the cotton that we picked. So those factories in those places that were not having enslavement of people of color, no, they didn't employ people of color. So don't get me wrong, I recognize that the precept and the concept of what you're putting forth, like we should all fall under the same umbrella, we, we, we know it. it's concept, it's wonderful, but it's actual concept and doing and fulfillment has never been reached in any civilization, even as we think of today. So don't get me wrong, I, I, I respect what you say, I know what you say is true, and I believe in that, and I learned it, and I've witnessed it in certain occasions. But when you boil it down to all of the factual information that Nick Rose, every bottom statistic that we have, 
and I mean bottom of every statistic, it's obvious that fulfillment and pursuit of happiness part was not inclusionary for people of a melanated nature. Well, so brother, I, I agree that. with you. I agree with you 100%. But I also think about the words of Dr. King. And though he may not have been as beloved when he was living as he is in his, as he is in his death, one of the things Dr. King talked about was he said he wasn't, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said he wasn't there to try to tear down the Constitution, but his purpose was to bring about the words to life for all Americans. And though the Constitution has never fully embraced us, our black selves, that is definitely true. But those words are still on paper, still law. And that should be the goal in trying to create that more perfect union that we so often hear about that includes us. As a matter of fact, we should be working very hard to ensure that everyone knows that we were not included, in some cases still aren't included, and to a certain extent that's a part of what these protests are about that our president seems to constantly want to step on, not want to step on, that our president constantly steps on. And that very first one, as I was suggesting, was the First Amendment. Now, I know that there will be people who may disagree of what the president's doing. Well, cognitive dissonance is real. But there is still the reality that our president today, in his support of neo-Nazis in his support of the Ku Klux Klan, very willing to call terrorists terrorists in other places and terrorists who don't look like him in this country, but his unwillingness to call American terrorists, especially those who are white supremacists, he is not willing to call terrorists. He is also not willing to support the tenets of the First Amendment of the Constitution that Colin Kaepernick was exercising in his protest. And I think what many people forget as this saga continues is that he wasn't protesting the flag for the flag's sake. What he was protesting was support of a government that was oppressing, and in this case, it was African-Americans through another arm of government called the police force. That's the protest. That's the grievance. And I I don't want our people to be lost on that. That's what the protest was about. And that protest is protected under the bill of rights in the first amendment that all too often we hear regurgitated to us when it benefits certain people. Well, now when it's supposed to benefit black people, somehow it is not the same, and we should make it the same. How? Well, I think that – well, let me tell you what my belief is. The American – uh, the United States of America is made up of today over 60% white people. And if you looked at that from 
the Congress, that would be a supermajority, and they can always outvote us. Well, I've often said that racism did not was not in this country until white people brought it here, and racism will not be eradicated or diminished until white people decide and work to eradicate it. And though Colin Kaepernick may have started the kneeling on one knee, even though I think there's some others who've done that, and of course we know in the Olympics there was others who uh, demonstrated protests in raising up fists. But one of the ways that we can defeat this, and I do believe it can be defeated, now the will is a different story, is that white people, white Americans, have to look back at that document that they so often embrace and call it what it is. When white people start to protest the abuses on other people, and specifically black people, African Americans, is when this will change. And for those who say that white people will never do it, I don't agree. I believe that they are not doing it in mass yet, just like players were not protesting in mass but what we see today for those who watch the game or got the news on it we saw more football players even the commissioner of the football league protesting mr trump and there's a young lady who i know she's a white woman she had sent a, a a facebook message and we had dialogue and she wrote something and she's calling out for white people to join the protest and take a knee. And I've seen from my timeline more and more people uh, liking it and, and supporting it and sharing it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to change, but it means that it's starting. The seeds have been planted and are being planted, and there will be a crop to harvest, but it may take a little time. It is happening. And, and it has to happen. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, and that's, I don't know if you heard me when I read it earlier, that this country cannot exist without the freedom of speech. He also spoke about the tyranny that will come about once you take freedom of speech, because we know that once you take it from one, it isn't long before you take it from another. And just as once cops begin to feel free to shoot and abuse one group of people, that tends to leach into shooting, killing, and abusing other groups of people. Well, everybody, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live, and our topic today is Dear President Trump and the First Amendment. And I, I titled it that because I'm not sure if he's read the First Amendment or remembers it or knows it. So I wanted to I wanted to say, well, if you had a chance to sit down with the president and could speak freely, and there's no point in sitting down with him if you can't, what would you tell him and what would you educate him on? Now, I'm not saying this will change him, but it might. You never know. We have another caller on the line. And, Franklin, if you could stay on, that's great. I appreciate it because you always have something of value to say. And your recent travels to the continent, to the motherland, I'm sure that's given you even more to say, but I want to bring on this, this next caller. You're on our sure. voices live. Our topic today is Dear President and the First Amendment. Did you have a question or comment for us? 
Yeah, and by the way, I spent a lot of a lot of time on the continent of Africa too, do business over there, have a wife from there. But this thing about the First Amendment is being misconstrued. Break it the down First Amendment, us. the First Amendment was a directive to the federal government. It does not apply to corporations, private concerns, and businesses. So when a business say that they don't want you wearing buttons that has a message in their workplace, then they have a right to prevent you from doing that. Read the First Amendment. It says Congress shall make no laws respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting this free exercise thereof. That was a message to Congress, not corporations, businesses, so on and so on. I mean, it sounds good, but that's what it's about. Supreme Court decisions have also came out and said the same thing. So this is, now, uh, is this is this Pinky? This is Pianchi. Pianchi, there we go. I'm a constitutionalist, so and also, by the way, I'm a Donald Trump supporter. The the uh, antics that Mr. Trump uh, puts on, I don't pay no attention to. I am interested, me personally, and of course I do know some other people too who are interested because we was talking, a group of us, African Americans, was talking about it here last week. We're interested in his policies. I'm happy he so, uh, he sold jets so to Bianchi, Nigeria so they could fight their, Bianchi, uh, their go, terrorists in the before north. Before you go too yeah. far with that, you're talking about, I just want to make sure we stay stay where you said that it's Congress that makes the laws and that controls the government. Is that correct? No. The First Amendment applies to preventing Congress, the lawmakers, the federal government, from making laws that prevent the exercise of free speech. It does not give so that, that directive. That I, I, I got well, wait that. a minute. You're Hang on, Jeff. I was just going to go one more sentence. Well, go, go courts the have said time. that it does not apply to corporations. And, well, I guess you would say the same thing with with uh, the National Football League, uh, which, uh, you know, Congress has been trying to get it under antitrust laws for a long time. But, uh, no, I mean, that's just the way it is. Okay, so hold hold your point, hold your thought, because I wasn't going to talk about the NFL. What I was going to talk about, and as I started, is you said that this is involves the federal government, and our president is the head of the federal government. There are three equal branches of government, but our president is the head of the federal government. And in the federal government, according to that very first article says that there would be no abridging of the right of the freedom of speech and the freedom to assemble. And it also no, it does spells not out say that. It, it says oh, it Congress say should make no laws, sir. The president does not make laws. He's an executive. Can, is he governed by the laws? Is he governed by the law? He's governed. His duties are spelled out in the United States Constitution. Is he governed by the laws of the United States of America? He ex, he's the executive. He he carries out the laws. 
Now, Pianti, I need Congress you to, has I need not you to made a law abridging. Wait a minute. Con- show me where Congress has made a law that's abridging free speech of, in this case, athletes. Well, that's, that's not where I was going. Where I was going with, they have the right for free speech. Is that correct? American citizens have the right of free speech. Or do you disagree not, with that? In, in, they, I disagree. They don't have it every place. Well, that's not what I asked you. I said, according to the United States Constitution, do American citizens have the right of freedom of speech? According to the United States Constitution, Amendment 1, it says that Congress shall make no laws preventing or abridging the right of free speech. It's that that amendment applies only to Congress. It does not apply to corporations. I mean, just think about it. When it I'm was not, made, not, it wasn't no on, such thing. On. I'm not. All right. So let's not talk over one another. But I need to keep you on topic here. And the topic right. here is: I ask you a specific question. Does American citizens do American citizens have the right to freedom of speech as governed under the as spelled out in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. According to the Supreme Court decision, and not in all cases. That's not what I asked you. Does the United well, the, States government in its no, First Amendment... No, I just told you. No. Okay. All right. According okay. to... According to William Brennan, they said no. Don't make, me, don't make me have to silence you. Let's Let's have a good discussion here, but let's stay to the point. Well, let me, let me say one said, thing here. Can I say one thing? Don't are, try to put things in my mouth. Wait a minute. I'm going to be quiet, yes. Don't try to put things in my mouth to say that you want to hear me say. Go ahead, sir. The United States government, and I'm going to just ask you one more time, and then after that you can you can hang up if you like. Does the United States government provide for freedom of speech for its citizens? Does the United States government under the First Amendment provide for provision, gives provisions for its people to petition the government over grievances? The the U.S. Constitution forbids Congress from denying people, making laws that deny people of its First Amendment right. Making laws. That's what Congress does. There's okay. n- I, I know right. of none well, of the work Congress have made laws. Uh, and let me finish. And also, be, due to Supreme Court decisions on cases no, Pianchi, that was brought up. stick to the topic. Otherwise, I am sticking to the corner. Who t- interprets the Constitution? It's a yes, it's a yes I said no. Question. Okay, well, I got it, so let's move on. We have an yes, American please. citizen who does not agree that American citizens are governed under the Constitution with freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, and freedom to petition the United States government of grievances. Okay, if that's what you believe. And, I, and, that's, and, and that's not right. what I you said. To believe that. That, is, that is not what I said. The Constitution does not govern American citizens. The Constitution protects American citizens from laws that would otherwise take away their freedoms at the local, state, and federal level. You have all the rights in the world. 
do United States citizens have the right of freedom of assembly? Do they have the right to petition the government for grievances? And do they have the right of freedom of speech? Yes or no? With restrictions. Yes. That's not With restrictions. Yes. Okay. So when we tried yes. to, well, well, let me give you an example. Well, we no, tried I don't need to. Your example, Tianti. I don't need your example. I asked the question, and I got to get somebody. I got to get other people in because you said you, you're, you're all over the place right now. My first no yes, is is my no. second, third, and fourth no. Okay. Because you're not so reading Franklin, it right, Franklin. Well, you, do you believe that we do not have the right that it is not given to us the right? for freedom of speech, freedom to petition the government for grievances, and the freedom to assemble. Well, I would go back to my point. If you're a white male uh, landowner, probably that applies to you. Well, those words can be taken in effect. So you're both kind of right. But then even at that, there are restrictions, as you would know, uh, the caller who's on with us, um, in New York, and I'm sure in other places, you, if three or more Negroes are gathered together, that's right now a felony uh, still on the books, as you would know, three-fifths of a man and all of those kind of things. Each county, under the jurisdiction of those who were legislators at the time, which, again, were white males, could legislate anything they want, thus enforcing or you know, reinforcing, if you will, the institutional background of racism which comes out of politics, even though they don't, they don't, they don't, they make laws. They create, they create by those laws, uh, cushions, implementations, and diseases, if you will, in terms of racism. Some are better, some are better. But when it comes to business and things of that nature, acting as those best interests, those laws were exclusionary. As you know, African Americans here in Las Vegas could not live on the other side of town. Those policies were set by town boards, which are still elected officials, which are still future Congress leaders, future federal leaders, and legislatures. So the business of setting agendas, even though the Congress shall not affix or set no rules, they don't stop the rules when the rules are broken by individuals who are of their ilk, so to speak. Because, as you know, there's institutional racism. There's redlining and banking that's not profitable, uh, but they still do it. And those are set by policies that are set by the federal government by not funding the SBA, not funding minority programs. So in its effect of what you were both discussing, both to your own points, which are true, uh, business is set by the policies of those who are in power. And business acts in its own best interest. So seeing that it's about keeping white men in power, and you would say the bill only applies to corporations and Congress, which is the same thing. Because in effect, it's just like you know, uh, we, we have you there in New York, focus. sir. You there in New York? Uh, no, but I'm a New Yorker. Well, let me, you know about the United Nations building. United Nations building allow protesters to assemble in a pre-described area. You just can't go walking off any place. Uh, Howard University students, uh, one of their student bodies, wanted to print something up in the newspaper. The administration will not allow it. Freedom of speech does not apply every place. And the First so Amendment perfect, only is targeting of, Congress. But, but brother, what you just intonated was just a, a freedom action of non-freedom of speech being controlled by those. And I'm sure the student government paper gets some type of subsidy from the administration so they feel they have the right to impose their views. 
which is what happened in the precepts of this country when certain printing presses you would know in Boston were shut down. The same thing they did during slavery to those people like John Walker and his appeal and even the early abolitionists. If the town didn't agree with them, they shut them down. They burnt them out, even as they did with uh, white people in terms of being Mormons. Uh, They burnt them out of town if they put down their printing presses. So recognizing you're highlighting the dichotomy of America and the governments in in all of those cases did nothing to stop. In fact, they encouraged by looking the other way. So local governments, we had, between government and you know the the rules of the land. We had a case here in 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 uh, Illinois, Lovejoy, Illinois, where you had a, a black printer who had his uh, printing press vandalized. The law enforcement went after those who uh, vandalized his printing press. But the thing is, is that I hear people say use this First Amendment. Of the United States Constitution, as if it applied to it only applied to the U.S. Congress. It said Congress should make no laws. The only entity that can make a law to abridge your uh, civil rights is Congress at the highest level. That's all I'm saying. No, you're in, in agreement. The, the, the paper states that, but but uh, the the factual, like I mean, you 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 uh, drive, I'm sure. And you've seen people who, unfortunately, have were rear-ended. But they were rear-ended to do their misdecision or their misguidance. But the judicial system that's set up says if you hit somebody in the back, you're at fault because you're supposed to be in control of your vehicle at all times. But the person in front of you is not in control of their vehicle. So subsequently, you will be legally found wrong. But in moral instance, because this person was erratic and did things that may have caused you to not hit the brakes in time to react to their misguidedness, you're at fault. So well, yeah, you're supposed to have your vehicle under control at all times. Yeah, I understand. I know that, but I'm saying that you know and you drive. You Come on, now, you know sometimes you've seen it. I mean, let's think about you or myself. I'm just understanding that people have intonated stories, and I've seen people who have forced certain incidents. But, you know, a little astray off of everything else, what happens is the beautiful thing about the document, and I'm hoping that you agree as a Trumpster, that this is a living, breathing document. As a United States citizen, it is the most beautiful 27-page document that uh, we have on the planet. With other countries, even recently and within the last year or so, when they go to revise their constitution, they always have the U.S. Constitution on the desk as a guide, along with other documents, too. But understanding that those concepts have been altered over time, not due to any man change fault or blame. It's just human circumstance has grown more than we did in 17-whatever, 18-whatever. Because if we really want to go back to the first living, breathing documents, uh, I will tell you, they're on the walls in Egypt. They're part of the Netometer. These are the concepts of the original uh, thought of man, you know, the original how to be good to yourself and reward your people, even though they themselves uh, lost it, because I also would say to you that those kings considered themselves gods and made the people worship them that way, but the foundations of giving and treating all and having your light as hard as a feather, which is what politics is, and giving and being nice, I mean balance, you see those on the scriptures in our history on the walls of Kemet. So I would submit to well, you that even this, George Washington poses, you notice he stands with his left leg forward. Uh, well, I know of- all about it. I spent eight years going in temple and tombs and pyramids on, on, on sites in Egypt. Eight years of my life doing that. But the thing that well, I'm trying that- to get to you is this, is that what makes the U.S. Constitution, as they like to say, livable, is because it's subjected, laws are subjected to federal court 
interpretation to see if the law is in compliance with the U.S. Constitution. You don't change the Constitution. There's only one way that you can change the Constitution, and it's spelled out in the Constitution about the ratification process. But courts have the power to interpret a law to see if that law or that statute. Well, here's here's the way it goes. Government bodies like state legislatures. Let's not get... Let's not get too far into that again. Well, I don't want to. All right. Well, on the topic. So I, I just want to. And I think that sometimes that you should have found, this so people would Kiyanki, understand what they talk about. Kiyanki, let's hold on. Let's hold on. Because you, 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 you lose people. Yeah, you lose people. So our founding fathers, one of the signatories of the this document that we're talking about, his comment says, "Freedom of speech." is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved and tyranny is erected on its ruins. That's quote, unquote, Benjamin Franklin. That's freedom of speech. Uh, Absolutely, he said that. You know who he was talking to? That. That, no, hold on. There was other founding fathers that talked about tyranny, and the reason why these principles were put into this document was to ensure that the people were not oppressed by the government or allowed other people to oppress them. Otherwise, they could have stayed where they were before they came to this country and just stayed oppressed. So we can we can parse and we we can disagree on who it. Well, can we comment on I those two points you just made? But I tell you what, gentlemen, uh, no, I, I got a post. I appreciate the dialogue. I will holler at you soon. Stay up. I try to listen in the car. But you guys be good. Uh, can we comment right, on so those two points you just made for, for clarity? For calling it. Uh, no. Uh, what I want. I didn't think to so. Do, what I want people to do. Because we, we only have so much time. And you're yeah, one caller. What I want people to do is I want you to go and now I've read it word for word, but I want you to go and read the Constitution if you haven't read it lately, because I'm sure you have read it. But I want you to go and read the Constitution for yourself. It's very important that you know these things for yourself. I need you to read. I encourage you to read. I agree with the you. First and let me amendment. let me add add a couple more things they should read also. You should read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. And also on the topic of the First Amendment, you should read you should read precedents that has been set by United States Supreme Court decisions on the issue. And then you better understand hopefully what it's all about. Uh, a former president, Theodore Roosevelt, clarified some things when it comes to the presidency. And he said, patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president. In other words, the president is also governed by our Constitution. And it, when the president does not abide by the Constitution, going back to that First Amendment in the United States Constitution that talks about 
government with the president as the head of our government, it provides in there an opportunity for the people to petition their grievances to the government. It also allows them the freedom to do so. We have also, an American citizen, Colin Kaepernick, who is not banned by his corporation to protest the flag. As a matter of fact, we had the commissioner of said corporation come out in support of its people exercising their freedom of speech right as described in the First Amendment. So then that would say that Colin Kaepernick, to your point that you made earlier, has not violated any restriction put on him. It also means that others in the NFL, the NBA, or just well, let me make a comment on it. Let me make a comment before you get too far. You don't know what's in Colin Kaepernick's contract. Because that was your that was your point. You said that he violated or that this did not cover. No, I did not say Colin. I didn't do that. And what I'm saying is that. Well, wait a minute. This whole thing came about because of Colin Kaepernick's protest of a branch of government abusing and brutalizing and killing other Americans, specifically African Americans. Well, you you said something that's not true right there, too, sir. Police is not a branch of government. Police are employees of a municipality. We have a black municipality here that fired their entire employee staff that was police because they would not comply to policy. It was all white. So how is it that a municipality can get rid of a branch of government? You know what? So this is your show. That, you're going so to have that, the last word. So you're saying, well, yeah, I, I will. That is how it works. But what you're saying is, is that the police department does not fall under government. No, they are not a branch of government. They, they are a. They a are a. They. No, they are not a branch of government. What? If do what branch of government is under, the police department? They, Wait a minute. You asked me a question. You won't give me a chance to ask. Does the police department? Well, answer the question I asked. Don't make up one. Does the police department? I'm not making up one. In Bell Fountain neighbors, the police department government. is not a branch of government. We do Does not the elect the police. Does the police department fall under a branch of government? The police department falls under the police department falls under the branch of government, which is elected by the people because they are employees as set out by the ordinance as set out by the ordinances of that municipality. The police department enforces and the Donald laws Trump of has no authority over them. The police department enforces the laws of government. The police is, is right department enforces the ordinances of the community. I haven't been a police commissioner in a in a local community myself. They enforce the ordinance that's set forth in the the laws that set forth in the ordinance of any community that they're in. Donald Trump okay. has well, no authority I'll, I'll over the police. Does Donald Trump have the authority to rescind 
the freedom of speech of American citizens who are exercising it lawfully under the Constitution. Donald Trump has no authority to tell people that they cannot utilize free speech. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution applied to the Congress. It applied to Congress, not making laws. Donald Trump is an executive. He enforced the laws. Does it apply to the president? Do what apply to the president? Does the United States Constitution apply to the president? The United States Constitution spells out how you go about electing a president. It goes about yes telling you no. the qualifications of a president. president? Yes, it, 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 it gives a, you the right to apply. It gives you a right to elect a president. It tells you his that's duties. That's not the question I asked. Okay, you, I, I, I understand what you're doing, and you, you have the right to do so. Fortunately, that's not what our show is about. And it's very important, as I said earlier. What's your name, sir? For all Americans. My name is Rodney Smith. It's very Rodney, let me tell you something. Well, let me, let me say this. I'm going to leave. Well, look, I got to go. It's very important for all Americans to read the Constitution of the United States of America. Today's show highlighted many reasons on why that's important. There will be people who will tell you things that are not true to advance themselves, whatever that advancement may be. We are blessed as a country of laws. Now, those laws are not always they are not always administered to all Americans as they should be. All too often, they use the power of government in a tyrannical means to falsely imprison, to falsely restrict rights as granted to Americans in governs all of us, including the president. There are so many writings by the Founding Fathers that talks about restraining the government, that talks about restraining the federal government. The president was not elected as king, and he surely was not elected to be a tyrant. If you, the American people, do not read and understand these principles, then there will be a tyrant. And President Donald J. Trump is giving you a taste of what that looks like. When he says to get rid of the press, when he says that the press is evil, when he says that the National Football League owners should fire people who are exercising their First Amendment rights that do not violate any other rules or laws that govern them. When he gets people to agree with him, if you look through the history of the world, not just this country, 
but the history of the world, you will find that oftentimes those are the beginnings of tyrannical rule. You will find that that is when the ugly heads of fascism rose in World War II. You will find that that is how communism came about and oppressed people in the Eastern Bloc countries of the world. This is not anything new, and it has been tried, and it has been successful many times with America and its values as written in the United States Constitution, bends the barrier to tyrannical rule taking over the world. If we, as citizens of America, a country governed by laws founded for freedoms of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble, freedom to petition the government against grievances without, without oppression or retribution from the government. When we give those things up, or even allow them to be taken, then it is then that we lose our citizenship in this country. It is then that in the words of Benjamin Franklin, who talked about the pillars of the freedom of speech, and I want to read this quote again to remind you. He says, Freedom of speech is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society dissolved, and tyranny is erected on its ruins. I don't, I hope that you all will take heed to that founding father's words because it doesn't take much for us to go down the path of Nazi Germany. It doesn't take much for us to fall to oppressive rule of monarchs, dictators, despots, and ultimately Tyrants. Please get your copy. You can get them online. You can download the apps. You can even get them from on Constitution Day. They give them away. Get your copy of the United States Constitution. Read it. Know your rights. And do not let a tyrant wannabe become a tyrant. You all have been listening to Our Own Voices Live today. We have had a this was a special edition because of the tyrannical nature and seeming oppression of the First Amendment from our Bill of Rights. I had this show today so that we could be warned and be on guard and learn lack of knowledge can be your downfall. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Our Own Voices Live. We will be back next week, Saturday. 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast, 3.30 p.m. for our East Coast listeners. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. And please go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook, leave a comment, and let me know if you have your copy of the Constitution and you're reading it. It might be your life that you save. It might be your children's life. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great Sunday. Exercise your freedoms. Bye-bye.